Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Superpath Podcast. Just as a quick reminder, Superpath is a career hub for content marketers. You can get this podcast, our newsletter, join our Slack group, and a whole lot more over at superpath.co. And I would definitely encourage you to check that out. Also, if you're hiring for a content role, let us know. We've got a job board and we can also help you fill those roles. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Janessa Lance. Janessa has had a very interesting career in content marketing. One thing that I'll call out now that I loved about this episode is Janessa's journey from one-person marketing teams to a huge company with dozens of marketers and back again and what that experience taught her. I'll let her speak to that in her own words. I hope you enjoy this podcast and take care. Hi, I'm Jimmy from Superpath, and today I'm here with Janessa Lance, Head of Marketing at Fishtown Analytics. Hey, Janessa, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Thank you so much for being here. So we've talked to a couple of people on this podcast so far, and all of them, at least to date, have started in journalism, and you did not. So this is great. So we have a new thing to talk about. So you studied art in college. Is that correct? I went to the Art Institute. I studied fashion marketing uh, because I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Interesting. Okay. And then it looks like for all or most of your career, you've now been marketing software. Is that right? Yeah. So I graduated in, in 2009, which was quite a fun time to graduate. Terrible economy, absolutely no jobs whatsoever. And it was, it was kind of a scary time. I eventually found a marketing internship job at a software as a service slash consulting shop in Philadelphia. And, and I think I was being paid like 11 or 12 bucks an hour or something like that. And, you know, that was my in. I mean, my job was, it was like buying email lists for the salespeople and spamming people. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, organizing conferences and, and that type of thing. Kind of like, you know, some some pretty old school marketing stuff. But I was just very grateful to have a job that was somewhat in my field. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting because many folks that that I hear from start in journalism or they have some writing background. They start with content creation and then kind of build a marketing career from there. But it sounds like you were more well-rounded right from the start. Uh, I don't know if I would say that. I mean, I think like like any new graduate, I was just kind of trying to find my way. I've I've always enjoyed writing. Like I've kept personal notebooks since I think I was like 13 years old. So writing has like always been something that I've practiced. And then what happened in, in that role is the company produced like an annual research report about the customer experience. And the first time that they released that when I was on the team, I was kind of like, hey, this is really cool. Like we could write blog posts about this. And what if we would like tweet about it? And my boss at the time was extremely supportive and she was kind of like, yeah, you know, do, do whatever you want. And that's when I discovered HubSpot and they were obviously talking a lot about content marketing at, at the time. And so that was kind of how I got into content marketing or learned that it's actually a thing was just sort of having an experience with that first project. And it's like, I'm a good writer and I like writing and this seems like something that more people should know about. So I very much stumbled into it. That's so interesting. I don't know. I'm not sure that I've met anyone yet that came to content deliberately. It seems like most people yeah. kind of accidentally come across it and realize, hey, this is actually really cool. It's like a really interesting way to mix creativity and like writing skills and like sales and marketing. And it becomes this thing that you can do. You can do lots of different things with, not just write. 
So from there, you go into RJ Metrics, and I believe that was the first time that our paths crossed. Right, right, yeah. That was I was in my Vero days, and I think we did some kind of like guest posting swap or something. Was you were at Vero? Was Vero using RJ Metrics? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is probably six or seven years ago now. It was a while. Yep. What was that job like? I mean, what, sort of what did you learn from the kind of first job out of college that you then like took into RJ? Yeah. So the first job was I was a one-person marketing team. I was a one-person marketing team in my for the last year, actually, at my current job as well. Being a one-person marketing team early in your career is extremely different than being in that role later on in your career. I think early in, in my career, it meant that I had a lot of freedom. Like my boss had a lot of trust in me and I could experiment. But like I started to just kind of hit a cap on what I was able to achieve. Like my growth was essentially limited by the growth of the company, right? right? And the company wasn't growing that much. And it was just like, we were never going to have a big marketing team, which meant that I was never going to have the experience of working with people who were like really, really good at what they did. You know, like a boss who was like deep in, in the marketing stack or you know, even just the experience of having coworkers. So that was important to me. And that, that's when I started looking at other jobs and I found RJ Metrics and they were a tech company and venture backed and was very excited about it. And so I, I joined that team. And, and that was the first time that I actually had a job title that was specifically content marketing. Gotcha. Could you talk a little bit more about that experience of sort of owning all marketing and then owning one piece of a, a larger marketing team? Have you ever been a one person? You personally, have you been a one person marketing shop? In my Vero days, yeah. Yeah. It can feel like you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah. So what it gave me exposure to was like, I got to set up HubSpot and I got to improve our Salesforce instance. And I was doing some very rudimentary marketing analytics and I would publish a report every month and do our blog and do our social media. And I got, we were on this like old hard-coded HTML site that one developer at the company could edit it, right? And so I ported us over onto WordPress and got us set up on HubSpot. So I was able to send emails a lot easier. So there was just like a lot of stuff to do, but it's like a mess of tactics. Yeah. At that point in my career, it was very hard to distinguish like what was a priority and what wasn't. And it felt like I was, you know, I was doing just a lot of different things. And so for me, the shift to content marketing was like, I am going to go deep on this writing thing, right? I wanted to get better at SEO. I wanted to, you know, figure out how content fit into like a bigger marketing strategy that wasn't just kind of me doing a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've come back to this again, the one person marketing team. I'd love to touch on that maybe in a minute. Yeah. You know, I think that's so interesting because it reminds me a little bit of like, occasionally people will ask me for like advice on like career things. And I'll say, one thing I recommend everyone do is do some freelance writing <laughs> because say your background is primarily writing it gives you exposure to the entire process. You have to learn to sell it. You have to learn how to send invoices and chase people down when they don't pay them and deal with unhappy customers and all these other things. And it seems analogous to being a one-person marketing team where you have to understand how the website works and work with the developers and probably learn enough HTML and CSS to save yourself yeah. from dealing with developers sometimes. And you learn so much more about the entire process, not just the how to write an article and get it to the finish line. Yeah. And that was really valuable. I think that throughout my career, I've kind of always had this, this pull where, where I'm saying like, I want to go deep on content. And inevitably I kind of get pulled back into like other marketing stuff, right? which I think happens anytime you, because to do content marketing well, you really have to understand like the company narrative 
So you have to have like a strategic understanding of the business. And I think that one of the problems today is that there's like so much good information about how to do something like how to win at search marketing, right? And so it can be very tempting to like jump into that. And everybody wants that story of like, I grew a blog from 5,000 monthly visitors to 100,000 monthly visitors. Right. It's like, it's a good, it's a good story, but that's not always like what your business needs. And I, I think that for me, the experience of being a one person marketing shop kind of, it made me much more aware of like the sales pipeline and all that kind of stuff. You kind of see the, the big picture. Right. And that's something that I always kind of ended up being pulled back into. So I was at RJ Metrics. I think I was in a, a content specific role there for maybe about a year or two. And then again, ended up in more of just like a general marketing role. So I had some content marketers who were reporting to me, who was also doing, you know, PR and design and events and, and all this other stuff. Got it. And you were the marketing director there, right? Yes. And, and so did you get some people management opportunities there too? Yeah, that was my first people management role. So built a team there of about, I think it's about five or six people. That's great. So then it's like hiring, managing people, retaining them, one-on-ones, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was terrible at it. I mean, people management did not come easily for me in any way. I think that what made me successful early in my career is that I'm kind of just like a bullheaded person. And it's like, if you would, if you would give me a problem, I would sort of just like, I would just like stick with it until I could figure out a solution. It was an elegant, right? There was nothing graceful about my solutions, but I could just like throw time and energy at it until I could figure out a path forward. That does not work with people management at all. It takes a lot more grace and tact. Um, there's a lot more emotional nuance. So I think that the people on my team at RJ Metrics, I am grateful for their patience with me. That was a, a hard shift to make. Do you have any advice for someone? And I think this is a common scenario. Someone starts their career as an individual contributor in whatever way, and then eventually has this opportunity to manage people, which is kind of an inflection point in a career. Like, yeah. And it feels, at least I remember feeling absolutely terrifying. And I remember yeah. thinking, I can't do this. I just want to write. I don't want to, uh, uh. I mean, yeah. ultimately it was an incredible learning experience, but do you have any, do you have any advice for someone who might be approaching that point in their career and you know, how they might think about taking on their first people management role? Hmm. I don't know if I have any great advice. I left my first startup experience in general feeling incredibly burnt out as can happen in startups, right? It's like a very intense ride. In the end, the company was acquired and it was kind of like, wow, I've just been pouring so much into this. And so I was very burnt out for a lot of reasons. It was like hard work. It was people management was not something I was particularly good at. And so I was actually planning to do a year of freelance and then HubSpot got in touch with me. So I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. But my, my point is that when after taking some time between that experience and I started having a conversation with my manager at HubSpot about beginning to manage people again. And I think I went into it that, that round with a lot more caution and just being a lot more humble. I think it was sort of like my first round of, with it was just sort of like, whatever, I'm at the point in my career when I should be a people manager, right? Or it's like, right. of course I can do this. It's like, I just need to help somebody write better as if that's what it is. I don't think I was aware of just like how much is really helping people manage their emotional states, right? Because sure. we all feel very emotional about work. Work is 
incredibly personal, right? And when somebody's giving you critical feedback or the structure of a blog post starts to feel, you're like, that's a decision I made, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels personal. Sure. If I had advice, if I could go back in time and give myself advice, I would I would probably say to be a lot more, a lot more humble about it and approach it cautiously. At this point in my career, I rarely undertake something new without trying to find people who've done it before to talk to them about it. And I really mm. wasn't doing that. So kind of the only person I was getting management advice from was my manager at the time. And just having the experience of, you know, working with a broader range of managers for myself helped me find my style as well. So like if I could go back in time, I would say be more humble, talk to people, find other people who are newer in the experience of managing people and try to learn from them. Yeah, that makes sense. So RG Metrics is eventually acquired by Magento and then you're planning on doing some freelance work, but then you're recruited to go to HubSpot. I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I published a blog post. I, so at RJ Metrics, I had, this, I had this really fantastic experience of having like a really successful content campaign, which I only mentioned because it was like, I had been doing content marketing for years and it was like sort of this like grunt, you know, like publish X amount of blog posts every week and you have your webinar program and you send your emails and then you do something that really hits. And that was like sort of a, a light bulb moment for me where it was like, oh, there could potentially be like a whole other way to do this work that is less about like slotting everything in my content calendar and, and taking a different approach. Because basically I was looking at the numbers and it was like, we had produced this huge body of content and all of our leads were coming from like three pieces. Wow. Right. Or like 10 blog posts. And you're kind of going like, wait a second, there's, there's something happening here that that was unexpected, right? And it's a little bit discouraging too, where you're like, wow, I put in all this work right? and it's not getting the results. And so I published this blog post kind of about that experience and some thoughts that I had about like the quantity versus quality debate and that whole thing. And I published it on Medium and it blew up and that's how HubSpot found me. And, and they were experimenting. They were kind of early on in experimenting with their Medium publication called thinkgrowth.org. And they asked me if I would be interested in running that. And it was like, I wanted a year off to do freelance work. And about three months into doing freelance work, I was like, man, freelance work is hard. Clients ask for a lot of stuff and you spend a lot of time, you know, <laughs> setting expectations, like this kind of sucks. And they're like, yeah, just like write and edit and we'll see how it goes from there. And I was like, awesome. So I did, I did that for six months, about six months. in, I started to have conversations with my manager then about possibly taking on more and stepping into a bigger role which began to happen. But it was it was kind of a weird career move. It was sort I mean it was like just kind of this random offshoot into into content, but it was really fun work that I loved doing. That's really cool. So so when you're doing think growth, I mean you're essentially the managing editor and you're working with yeah. other people to contribute content. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to being the primary content creator yourself. Yep, yep. So I was doing especially early on I was doing, you know, one or two articles a week. But a lot of what I was doing was helping professionals who were just writing about their work, you know, whether it's a product manager or data analyst or a marketer, right, whatever their role might be. And they want to say, hey, I have this specific insight that I want to write about. And so I would work with them to turn it into a story and kind of coach them on it. And then increasingly, I, I started to edit other people who were internal at HubSpot, whether it was like an executive who, who had an idea and it didn't really fit into like more like the SEO strategy on the on the HubSpot blogs, then we would publish that on thinkworth.org and, and I would work with them 
on that. And Medium is such a cool platform for that, where it's much more about like views come more from sharing and, and claps. Right. Like they come from the algorithm rather than just search alone. So I, I kind of shifted into to starting to coach people more internally, which then expanded into like this executive thought leadership program at HubSpot. And then I started to do just like full-on communications work and, and leading the communications team there, which was not a direction I expected my career to go in. But again, like so happy I had that communications experience. It was extremely helpful. That's so interesting. I mean, so HubSpot, obviously, you know, is a pioneer in the content I mean, probably the pioneer in the content marketing yeah. space. I mean, I could imagine that being surrounded by a marketing team of dozens, I, I assume, was just great from a career perspective to see like all the different avenues yeah. that one could take. Yeah. I mean, so many different avenues. And I think that that's one of the things that is, Husband is the pioneer in this space. And so I think that they are also like a clue about how this space could potentially evolve. And you do very much see that, right? Like, I think we're beginning to see in the content industry as a whole, a lot more focus on like the types of content marketers. I feel like in general, that these roles that are just content marketer are becoming a little bit more rare, where it's like, we're hiring a blog writer, we're hiring a podcast producer, we're hiring somebody for editorial content or demand gen content, right? So there's a little bit more specialization. Not that the specialization matters all that much, I think the reason that the, special, the specialization matters is because it indicates that the companies who are hiring for these roles have like a much better understanding of how a content marketer can impact business goals. I was very much in that position before where it's like, you know, you hire a content marketer and then it's like, well, am I trying to build traffic to the blog or am I trying to generate leads? Right? Like, oh, okay, we wrote this blog that got all these views, but it's not actually getting any leads. Well, which which one did we want, right? And I think that yeah. as, a, as a whole, the industry is getting a little bit smarter about that stuff. And you see that reflected in, in titles. Right. That's so interesting. It kind of makes me think of my, see, my second content marketing job. My first one, one person marketing team. My second one, I'm part, I went to a big agency thinking that I was good at content marketing only to find out like halfway through the first day that actually... I had no idea what I was doing, but I was so inspired by like these people around me who have, were so experienced and, and actually were so helpful also, but it was, it was an eye-opening experience to see like, there's so many ways, so many ways this could go. I had no idea. And I never have had the experience had I not gone and, and been part of it. Yep. And you, you see people who are really good at search and really good at more this top of funnel editorial content, really good at demand gen, right? And yeah, there, I mean, there, there's a lot to learn from these people. But I think that today, I mean, this is always true in marketing, but there are just like so many tactics that you could do that are appealing, right? And, right. and content marketers tend to talk about their work, right? Like we're all marketing ourselves. And there's just a lot of noise around like, this is the thing. Like, this is how we grew our blog. And this is how we generated a thousand leads. And like, we're doing a podcast. And podcasts are so great. And everybody has to do a podcast. And there's like, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure around that. that just comes content marketers create content. Right, right. <laughs> so then after that, you go to Fishtown Analytics. You're now, or you were a one-person marketing team when you first started there, but now with a decade of experience under your belt. How was that experience different than the last time you were a one-person marketing team? Yeah, a lot more focus. I really spent my first year on the team doing a lot more 
product marketing work and product positioning and that type of thing. I think that I still feel this, like I love content and content strategy and producing blog posts. And when I joined the team there, my, my first instinct was again, like, well, there's like all this search opportunity in the space. We have to clean this up and then kind of doing a check and being like, you know what? That's actually not what the business needs today. We actually don't need a hundred thousand eyeballs on our blog posts. We have this growing community of users and we want to be much more thoughtful around how we serve those existing users rather than like trying to just artificially inflate growth of that community. It's like we want that community to be growing in a certain way. And so I think I just have better perspective on like why you would do a given thing, right? You have more experiences to pull from. Right, right. And so are you building out a team at Fishtown now? Yeah, just just starting to. We had an events manager who who joined our team about a month ago. We hired her pre-COVID. So she's in a very different role today than than what she initially signed up for. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but events were a very core part of our strategy for 2020. And you know, we're kind of readjusting from that, but we think it'll come back soon. So she's running events and then and then we also just added somebody. We have a, a training program that we run, which is again like it's all content, right? Like yeah. all marketing is content. So uh, we have a training program that we run and we just brought somebody on to focus on building out that program and, you know, find out how we can run it or, you know, train more people at lower price points and all that fun stuff. Right. Are there, as you look back at your career, are there a handful of core skills that you find yourself leaning on over and over again? Like for, like for some folks, it's probably writing or for some folks it's, storytelling or some, whatever else. I mean, is, are there a handful of those things that you find yourself using all the time? I, I don't know if it's a, it's a skill so much as like a framework, but I always go back to like the think, feel, do framework. Anytime you're thinking about a message, right? Whether it might be a blog post, but maybe, maybe it's just a tweet, you know, maybe it's an announcement post, but always like thinking about who is your audience what do you need them to understand? How do you want them to feel about the message that's being delivered? And what, what action do you need them to take? And I think that content marketers in general, we spend a lot of time thinking about the, the action part of that, the do, right? Like we want somebody to sign up or subscribe or share, something like that. And probably a little bit less time on the feel. And so it's, that's always just like a useful framework that I go back to anytime I'm communicating something. is like, how do I want somebody to feel after reading this do I want them to feel excited? Do I want them to feel like they're part of something special, right? Like it's exclusive, right? And like just kind of framing every message in that way, that's always useful. But I think it's a, that thing again of just like, what does a business need from you? What does your audience need from you? Rather than, you know, this pull to be, to have like the big, the big numbers, right? Like yeah. the most signups for your webinar, the biggest blog. It's like, those aren't actually always the right things to focus on. And so it's just kind of that obsessive, you know, always thinking about what the audience needs from you. Yeah. I love that. As you look back, is there any advice that you would offer to Janessa five years ago or 10 years ago about all of the interesting and I'm sure sometimes challenging career things that were going to happen? Probably say like work less. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Try to try to work smarter. I think that I just like wasted a lot of energy over my career, like trying to fix problems with time that can often be solved more elegantly by a little bit of thought or 
talking to people or after this whole coronavirus hit, I was having a conversation with my boss and we're kind of realizing that all of the events that we had planned for the year, which is a huge part of our marketing strategy, they're just not going to happen. Right. And he's like, we really don't have a marketing strategy anymore. And I'm like, that's true. But I have all these ideas, right? I'm like, you know, we could do, and, and he was kind of like, just, just sit on it for two weeks. Like, let's not, let's not start canceling events or emailing people or making other plans. Like, let's just sit with it, which was a very uncomfortable two weeks for me. Cause it's like the whole world is kind of feels like it's falling apart around us. And I wanted to like jump in and fix the problem. Yeah. But just kind of pausing for that time and being like, nothing dramatic is going to change. And there are other companies around you who are immediately like putting on webinars about crisis response and, you know, marketing in the age of coronavirus. And you're like, just be like, just wait. And I think as a result of that today, where we are thinking about our event strategy heading into, you know, wh where we've been over the past few months. And I think where we are heading into the year, I feel like we're in a really good place and we have some good thoughts. And, and some of that just came because we weren't, just immediately jumping into action. So there's always that tension, right? Between like sure. strategy and action. And so it's not like one is better than the other. It's just that me personally, I think I'm more biased toward like, let's jump in and do the thing. And so just remembering to like, you know, sometimes you can actually get farther ahead by moving a little bit slower. I love that. That's fantastic. This is great. I mean, I so appreciate your time. You know, your career has been interesting and sounds like it has been rewarding as well. Where can people find you online, Twitter, LinkedIn, see your writing, all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to use my first and my last name on, on most social platforms. I don't know what Gen Z thinks about that. I think that the trend now is it's like the, the AOL days, you know, we all had like our, our corny handles. Yeah. And I was getting really active on social at the time when it's like, it's so great if you can like claim your actual name Yeah, yeah. and now people don't want that anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that you sort of time stamped, you've time yeah. stamped like when you adopted all the different social yeah, platforms. <laughs> you, can, you can like almost tell how old I am because Twitter, LinkedIn, Medium, I'm Janessa Lance on all of the platforms. So okay. that's where you can find me. I still do like my personal writing on Medium and, and I've been trying to do more of that again recently. Cool. Well, I'll make sure that I link to all those things in show notes. Definitely folks should go check out all Janessa's great stuff. Janessa, thank you so much. And I will see you in the CMCG community soon, I hope. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. This was fun. Take care. Yeah. Take care. <laughs>